It's felt like a long three weeks, but racing is back with a vengeance. Welcome to the A Racing Podcast. My name is Adam. Mitch would normally be alongside me here, but he's got some final exams to get through, so I'm going to be soloing this podcast the first triple header weekend of 2021. It is exciting. We got three major racing series taking place this weekend alone. The start of the IndyCar season, Formula One returning to Imola, and NASCAR going for third short track in three races. Also, this is one of only five or six times this year that we'll see NASCAR, IndyCar, and F1 on the same weekend. And I'll explain why there's five or six times this year right now. Because we start off with a few quick news pieces before we get off to describing some of the tracks coming up in IndyCar season preview. So one of the big stories this week, kind of breaking a little bit before the weekend, Formula One might not be coming to Canada again. Uh, Radio Canada is reporting that Montreal Public Health has decided against the Canadian GP uh, taking place at Cirque-Gé-Villeneuve. The big issue right now, if you're a Canadian, you know, Right now, if you come to Canada, you have a 14-day quarantine that's mandatory. Um, There have been some exceptions for the bubble, kind of like sports teams, but um, there's a big issue with that because obviously there's hundreds of F1 officials, safety crews, all the teams, all that stuff, so they they would kind of join a bubble. But the problem is... It's not just the F1 guys that are at the track. You've also got volunteers that are organizing everything when it comes to kind of developing the track, getting everything ready for the fans and stuff like that. So when you have hundreds of those people intersecting with the hundreds of people in the bubble, it's just not possible. So um, that's a report by Radio Canada. I see there is a couple of other people that have reported it as well. I don't think F1's going to make any official announcements, probably until after this weekend. I believe they have a couple of weeks off after this week, so they have plenty of time to announce it then, and you don't really want to rain on the parade of Imola. Uh, the other thing as well, um, they're probably negotiating with Turkey, because that's kind of uh, pegged as the backup track in case a track like Canada was unable to um, host a race. So we'll see if uh, Turkey replaces Canada, if that all is true. Uh, But once again, yeah, reports say the uh, Canadian GP is not going to happen for the second straight year, which absolutely sucks. I've never, I've been to the track. I've never been actually at the race itself. I'd love to go one year. Obviously, it'll be uh, at least 2022 if uh, this is all true, unfortunately. Uh, So yeah, that's kind of the big F1 news. Uh, We'll be kind of doing a track uh, look ahead for the second race of the season coming up in a little bit. Um, first, though, I had one other piece of news before we get to IndyCar. Uh, NASCAR news, pretty quiet week, but there was one interesting thing I noticed, um, and it's involving Jennifer Jo Cobb. Now, you probably don't know much about her because she's in the trucks most of the uh, time in NASCAR, but she'll be getting a ride in the Cup Series for next weekend's race at Talladega. That means she'll be the first woman driving in the top series since Danica Patrick back in 2018. So that's kind of exciting. As I mentioned, she's mainly been in the truck series. But yeah, first chance in the cup series. And if you know NASCAR, you know the super speedways like Talladega. Anything could happen. She could win the race for all we know. She's kind of driving for one of the uh, lower funded teams. So don't expect her to be winning the race. But anything could happen. So... I mean, we just saw the first race of the NASCAR season. We had Michael McDowell and one of the underfunded teams win the race. So we'll see what happens there. 
But yeah, a woman back behind the wheel in NASCAR. That's exciting. Uh, Now, as I mentioned, we will be previewing the F1 stop at Imola a little bit later in the podcast, but let's turn our focus to IndyCar because I was taking a look at the field we got ahead of this weekend's debut at Barber Motorsports Park, and honestly, I am so excited for this year. Just kind of looking at how close of a competition we could have. Uh, Kind of comparing F1 to IndyCar. Obviously, F1, you got two really good teams, and everyone else is kind of battling for midfield or near the back. I feel like F1's kind of like the glitz and glamour. You know, the prestigious history of Formula One over 70 years. The storylines, the dramatic battles for 8th and 9th. IndyCar is just going to be like, guy winning left and right, and we don't know who's going to win the championship. Like F1, there's maybe two or three guys that could win it. I honestly think there's about 8 or 9 guys that could win the IndyCar championship this year. It's that close of a field. I think we'll start off, obviously, with the guy who won it last year, and that is Scott Dixon. He won the first three races last year, uh, finished first in the championship. He's now won six titles, which is a crazy number to think of. He's only one championship behind A.J. Foyt, which is crazy to think. And honestly, he looks like he is in his prime right now, which is pretty impressive considering he's 40. But you know what? He has been so strong uh, year after year. Honestly, he's got to be one of the favorites heading into this season. Another big storyline that we're kind of keeping an eye on as this season goes on. Young and the Restless, maybe? Colton Herta, Pato Award. So they kind of came into the series. They're the young guns. Like Colton and Pato were early 20s. You probably add up their ages, and it's pretty close to Dixon's age. But they had some huge years last year. Um, Herta finished third in the championship. Um, he's also. IndyCar's youngest ever winner, and Pato finished right behind him in fourth. Now, looking at Herda, he has had a pretty good couple years with Andretti, Steinbrenner, Autosport. Now he's joining Andretti full-time for 2021, so we're going to see how he goes. He had one win last year. I was one of the two races over in mid-Ohio, as I mentioned, third in the championship, and Pato, he drives for uh, Aero McLaren. He did not get a win, but he had a lot of very strong showings, a couple of uh, very high finishes. And honestly, I I mean, those two guys, I I think, could contend for more wins. And maybe I I think Herta could have a serious round of the championship if he gets a few big results in a row. We know the Indy 500 is a double points race, so who knows what will happen there. Um, And we'll kind of see what happens. It's exciting. But of course... You can't talk about a championship run without talking about Roger Penske and Penske Power because they're always a favorite, always look strong every year. I mean, of the cars they got out there right now, all four drivers in the garage could possibly contend for wins by the end of the year. And honestly, three of them could contend for a championship. Um, you got Joseph Newgarden, of course. He won the championship a couple years ago. Um, he's always looked strong. Will Power, meantime, he's had kind of some hot and cold stretches. He did win the Indy 500 uh, a few years ago. Um, He also had won a championship or two. He had a bit of a rough uh, start last year, but he did end up finishing fifth. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe he could string something together. Um, Simon Pagenaud as well in the 22. He uh, is looking for a recovery from last year. He also won a championship. He, I think, finished eighth last season. But, um, again, he's under a Penske car. And honestly, those cars are strong. So we'll see what happens there. And that fourth driver is a new driver to the team. And 
kind of part of a really cool group of guys this year because if you look at the IndyCar rookie class this year, it's crazy. Like, it's not a rookie class. You've got guys from all over the world who are so strong at what they do. That Penske driver, the fourth new guy, Scott McLaughlin. Um, he is probably the favorite to win the rookie title because um, he had a couple of races last year uh, to kind of get his feet wet. Um, comes from Australia. He raced in the supercars, um, and he won the last three titles. So he's uh, quite a established commodity. He won the legendary Bathurst 1000 race. That's kind of their endurance race. He won that one two years ago. And um, yeah, I, I'd have to say he's probably the favorite if you're looking for uh, betting options. I would not recommend betting because I, I usually am pretty terrible with those. But uh, hey, you never know. Anyway, so yeah, he's definitely a huge name out there. But he is not the biggest name probably coming to IndyCar. That would be none other than seven-time Jimmy Johnson. He'll be in the 48 this year, of course, as I mentioned, with seven-time. He's a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, um, and it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how it all plays out because NASCAR cars are pretty big, obviously. I mean, Jimmy's extremely talented, and I think he might be able to adapt by the end of the year into the uh, um, much lighter, downforce-focused Indy cars. Might not want to try to focus on bumping and banging because uh, those cars can't really handle a whole lot of that. Um, but we'll kind of see what happens with that. Like, it's really exciting to see a guy like him come into the into racing uh, IndyCar and trying it out because obviously he's got a lot of skill out there. Um, he Right now he's scheduled to race just the uh, road course races, uh, not, not any of the ovals, but it sounds like there's a couple of rumors um, that he and I think his wife is all are also kind of going, well, you know, maybe the Indy 500 is an option. So we'll see what happens there. And um, if, if you thought that was a good enough rookie class, well, you got one other big name in there as well. You can't forget Roman Grosjean, who will be racing on road courses this year. Uh, you might remember Grosjean from last year's uh, Formula One season and plenty of others before. He's had pretty good years. He's had, uh, I believe, a podium or two. Uh, in Formula One, in his time with Haas, Drive to Survive, which we had in Episode 3. You can check that out for a full review of that episode, or that season on Netflix. One of the last episodes, and kind of the biggest moment uh, near the end of the season, was um, the crash that, I mean, we all thought for a second took Grosjean's life. Uh, where his car slammed into the wall in Bahrain, caught on fire, ex an explosion of fire. And he got out with just burns to his hands. Turns out that he, he didn't end up getting a ride in Haas, so he's coming across the pond to North American Racing in IndyCar. Crazy to think that he's going from one open-wheel car to another. Obviously, there's big differences between Formula 1 and IndyCar. I mean, you got the cockpit situation where there's kind of like a windshield compared to just the halo device for Formula 1. He doesn't have the advantage of using DRS on a straight. He has a push-to-pass system where he has a certain amount of seconds of extra boost. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Honestly, he's uh, it's really exciting to see all these guys, um, like these big-name people who have won titles, had podiums, done a lot in other series, coming in to try out IndyCar. Like, it's going to have so much more attention to the sport which is exciting and i believe there's over 200 countries that can now watch indycar which again a whole new level of exposure which i 
don't think anyone expected. And it's so exciting to watch. And there is a new track as well, which is awesome. And, and it's something that can be quite interesting. So um, assuming everything kind of stays at is, as it is and in this world, we're not really at that point. Um, Nashville is set to make a debut with a street race. And um, it's got one really cool feature. The Indy cars will be driving over a river. They obviously got a bridge that covers a good stretch of a straightaway. So they'll be going over a bridge. One of the few tracks in the world to include drivers passing over a body of water. Which is pretty cool. There's been a lot of hype from the drivers. They were excited to go to Nashville. Obviously it's kind of, you know, a a big hotbed in in the United States. We'll see how that goes. Um, Most of the tracks are returning from last year. Obviously there's some still up in the air. I'd probably say Toronto is one... For question, because obviously you got to shut down a whole bunch of streets of Toronto. And if COVID's still kind of kicking around, which it looks like it will be based on how it's kind of moving around in Canada, I would probably say don't hold your breath on um, Toronto being there. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the situation with that. Uh, Speaking of Canadians, we have a return from Hinchtown. James Hinchcliffe will have his first full-time ride since he was kicked out of uh, what ended up becoming Aero McLaren in 2019. Now, he'll be driving the number 29 for Andretti Autosport, which is pretty cool because that was a team where he uh, kind of made a name for himself in uh, the sport. He drove the GoDaddy 27 car, had a couple wins in that car. He was kind of like Danica's replacement, uh, but he looked really good in that car, and it's exciting to see him reunite with Andretti Autosport. Um, he and Alexander Rossi are great friends. They're now teammates, so we'll see how close to friends they are if one keeps beating the other again and again. But uh, yeah, it's quite interesting to see how it all plays out, especially if championships come on the line. And honestly, Andretti Autosport's one of the favorites for that as well. I mean, Alexander Rossi is one of the top drivers out there. He probably is a favorite to contend for the championship, so we'll see how it all plays out with that. But yeah, Canadian James Hinchcliffe back in there. Uh, Dalton Kellett is the other uh, Canadian that races full-time in the IndyCar season. He might not be as high as Hinch, but hey, who knows? This could be a crazy season for uh, IndyCar. So yeah, we'll see how that plays out. And uh, finally, we got one last thing to mention for the IndyCar season because we can't mention IndyCar without, of course, the Indy 500, which, by the way, is next month. Yeah. It's moving. And we've got one heck of a star-studded entry list. Right now, in what's expected to be the entry list, with some guys who have said that they'll be joining in, maybe not confirmed yet, we have nine different winners of the Indy 500 in the field. Six of them, we're going to have regulars. Obviously, uh, Scott Dixon, he's the 2008 winner. You have defending champ and two-time champion, Takuma Sato. 2014 champ Ryan Hunter Ray, 2016 champ Alexander Rossi, 2018 champ Will Power, 2019 champions Simon Pagano. So obviously all those guys are going to be contenders at some point. Uh, Tony Kanaan will be uh, back in. He's expected to drive in Jimmy Johnson's ride for the Ovals. So uh, we'll see if that does take place or not. Uh, Kanaan won it in 2013. Meantime, three-time champ Elio Castroneves, yeah, he's back again. Uh, he's actually going to be in six races this year for the IndyCar season with uh, Meyer Shank racing. So he might not be in the Penske colors you're used to, but uh, he is back for 
obviously the Indy 500 and five other races. So that's exciting. And yeah, there's one other exciting one as well. Juan Pablo Montoya is back into IndyCar. That's awesome. Uh, first time in four years. He'll be uh, back behind the wheel of an IndyCar that he's won twice with at Indianapolis. So as I said, we got nine cars that have won before at the Indy 500. Nine drivers. Honestly, it's so exciting to talk about so many guys that could have a chance to win that race. And then winning the championship, as I mentioned earlier, eight or nine guys could win it all. I mean, uh, we mentioned Scott Dixon, the three Penske guys in terms of Pagano, Newgarden, and Power. Alex Rossi is in there, so that's five right there. Meantime, you got those two rookies or younger drivers in Pato Award, Colton Herta. Outside chance, maybe you could say Ryan Hunter Ray, maybe Takuma Sato. So that's like nine right there. And then, yeah, who knows what will happen this season? It's really exciting to watch, and I cannot wait. As I mentioned, first race this season, it's at Barber Motorsport Park. That's the park with the big spider. Yay. Could be an interesting one. We'll see how it all plays out. So that's one open wheel series. Now we're going to transition to the other one, Formula One. And the Formula One Pirelli Gran Premio del Made in Italy e dell'Emilia Romagna 2021. <sighs> also known as the F1 race over at Imola. Probably a little bit easier. Oh, also, Imola is known as the Autodromo Internazionale Enzo e Dino Ferrari. I knew that my half Italian heritage would pay off at some point. Yeah, so, anyways, Imola, classic track, back for a second straight year. It was an entertaining race last year. We'll get to that in a second. But unfortunately, of course, you can't talk about Imola. Uh, if we're going to talk about track history, unfortunately, the most memorable thing was not a great memory. Uh, 1994 GP at Imola. Two drivers, Roland Ratzenberger and racing legend Ayrton Senna. Uh, they died in separate crashes on the same weekend. And then we almost lost a third guy. Rubens Barrichello had a nasty crash, but... Uh, fortunately, crews were able to get there and save his life. It was a really dark weekend. Obviously, they made some immediate track changes. That main crash that took Ayrton's life took place on kind of a corner that was a bumpy corner. It was a fat, high-speed left-hand turn. As I said, very bumpy, not a lot of runoff. And so obviously, they made some major changes before the next season, added a chicane so it would slow some guys down. And um, yeah, so that was kind of the... The tragedy there they've put up a statue kind of near the site of where um Sedna died and yeah so unfortunately that was a dark day for the sport f1 did continue to race there until 2007 and then took a long delay and then because of covid last year obviously they needed some tracks they needed them all in europe and imola was one of the ones that were open and so Plenty of changes to the track, as I was mentioning. Um, it's a 19-turn track. It covers just under 5 kilometers. There's about 3 medium straights in the front stretch. So it kind of goes start-finish line, long straight with a bit of a hook to the left. And then it's a chicane, then a bit of a straight, another chicane, a little bit of a straight, and then it goes to a bit of a hairpin turn, and then it kind of gets a little bit technical. Um, a couple of uh, lefts, a, a bit of a chicane again. And then it kind of speeds out to the uh, final turns and then we uh, complete a lap. So we'll see how it all plays out. There is just one DRS zone, which is not great. Uh, that is on the front stretch right at the start-finish line. Uh, they are doing a couple of changes to try to encourage some more overtaking. So they're moving the DRS detection zone from 
kind of between the last two turns to just before turn 17. So it kind of allows a guy who's gaining momentum on somebody on into the final two turns and still within a second to have a chance to make an overtake rather than kind of getting stuck in the guy's dirty air, losing that second, and then not getting the detection zone in time to get that DRS. Because, of course, the DRS, the rule is, you have to be within a second of the guy in front of you to get your wing, or to give you DRS, which is the drop of the wing. You go faster uh, when you get DRS. So we'll see if that makes a difference. The uh, DRS zone itself is also extended a little bit. As I said, they're trying to encourage some more overtaking because one of the problems of this track is that it's, and it's a thing with a lot of the historic tracks because it was built for kind of the smaller cars. F1 cars are a lot bigger now than they were before and a lot more technical. So on a shorter track, like in terms of width, it's a lot harder to make passes. There were just six overtakes not including the first lap in the safety car restarts because they're always tightened up there. So that was actually the third lowest number of overtakes in uh, all of last season, which is crazy to think. But yeah, it's still a favorite among a lot of the drivers because obviously they grew up watching their stars out of the track. A lot of legends have won there. Obviously you got Schumacher, Senna's won a couple there. Damon Hill won some. Like, a lot of big names have won races at that track, and it's just, uh, apparently it's a great track to drive. So, with the lack of overtaking, that is going to make qualifying a huge deal. Because if you're stuck back in 10th place, and as I said, just six overtakes the entire race, other than the safety car and the first lap, you've got a lot lot of work to do to get up to the front. But if you get pole position, well... All you have to do is get a good start, and you might be okay to win the race. It'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Pit strategy will also be a big deal with overpass and the underpass. Quickly describing the two, because it's a bit of an interesting concept, and it's a little confusing if you just see it in race and go, why are they doing that? The underpass, you, you come into the pits a lap early, because basically the goal is, in especially in Formula 1, your tires kind of slowly wear down as your run goes on, obviously. And then eventually they hit a cliff and just drop in lap times. So the underpass, you come into the pits a lap earlier than the guy in front of you. He's going to be running an extra lap on more worn tires. When you come out of the pits, you're going to be on the pit out of the pits on fresh tires. Then you put an absolute blinder of a lap, full beans on, around the track, while the other guy is struggling on his more worn tires, he will lose time by the time he goes into the pits, gets his service, and comes out. So if you're a second behind someone, and you switch off from one set of tires to the other, and their tires are just as worn as yours, you might be able to get that second and then some. So we'll see if that plays out. The overtake isn't as common because it's a little more difficult because obviously you're staying out longer than the other drivers. One of the ways it does work is if there's lap traffic when the car that pits behind you or in front of you comes back out, say they get, I don't know, a slower car like a Williams or a Haas in front of them and they kind of get held up by them and then the guy in front of them pits, the guy getting held up might lose three seconds and that's enough time for the overtake to work and the person coming out on the overtake is going to have fresh tires so two different strategies we probably will see that make a role in at least one or two 
changes of position. Obviously, they don't count as overtakes because you're kind of just passing guys while they're in the pits. But I guarantee you there's going to be at least one or two, probably two or three passes that involve that. Um, Also, safety cars, very likely because there's not a lot of spaces to just push a car off out of the um, track. We had one last year when uh, Max Verstappen, who was looking very strong, had passed Valtteri Bottas uh, later in the race, had his tire kind of go, and he just went into the gravel pit. He looked like he could have maybe contended for the win, but he was out. You might also remember, under that safety car was the heartbreak of George Russell. He was uh, he actually had the lead because um, other guys had pit, and he still hadn't pit, but it looked like he had a chance to get his first ever point in Formula 1. But he was warming up his tires, and as he warmed up his tires, he kind of hit a bump as he hit the gas, kicked his car out and all over the place, and he crashed into the wall out of the race. And that re- that was heartbreaking. There were some shots of him after, just kind of sitting there like, what have I just done? And we were all like, yeah, what have you just done, man? We were all heartbroken. That was kind of some of the stuff from last year's race. Um, I think we probably will see a safety car again. I hope we do, because obviously that brings the field closer together and we could see some overtakes. There was one big overtake last year where uh, Daniel Kvyat, who was... Uh, He ended up finishing, I believe, fourth last year. He had a double overtake on the Red Bull of Alex Albon, and I believe one of the McLarens. We'll see if that happens again with, uh, obviously, those restarts. Hopefully it does, crossing fingers, and hopefully we don't have what we had last year where it was just 1-2 for Mercedes, and everything continues on as normal. It could be one thing that kind of changes everything around the forecast is a little bit interesting they've got a chance of showers uh not at or that a chance of showers at the start of the race um but what might be interesting as well is we're gonna have rain throughout the entire morning that's the forecast as of thursday just to point out so i mean over the next two days we could have like sunshine and 30 it's not going to be too warm they're expecting it to be about 13 or 14 degrees celsius that's pretty chilly for an f1 race and it's going to rain through the morning. That's, again, as of Thursday. Um, it's supposed to rain Sunday morning. And then a chance of showers as the race goes. So, obviously, the cars can push this rain out of the way. The question is, will the track be dry enough for the cars to be on dry tires to start the race? Or will they have to start on intermediate tires and then switch to dry tires in the middle of the race and try to figure out at what point the dry tires are faster than the wet tires? I'm probably drawing at straws here, but it would be fun to see a dry to wet race. Uh, it's always, Or a wet to dry race, rather. Um, those are always fun to watch. Um, we had a couple of amazing races last year kind of created by that. So we'll see if that all plays out. As for favorites, Mercedes has been saying once again that Red Bull looks strong, that they're the favorite. Could it be mind tactics? Because, you know, you get in the head of the opponents and get them thinking they're better, and then all of a sudden you surprise them and freak them out. Who knows? But honestly, Red Bull looked really strong there last year. As I said, Verstappen was in second and chasing down Hamilton before his tire went. And Albon, um, he was looking good. He got up to sixth um, from a lower position and then kind of spun himself out. Uh, but Perez is in the seat now, so we could see what he does. And if he fin- if he starts top four or top five, we could see a double podium for Red Bull, which would be extremely exciting. Um, as for the midfield, um, should be interesting to see how it all plays out with 
Alpha Tauri. So they actually, um, I believe they actually own the track. Uh, or they have like a significant stake in it. That's actually where they were doing their preseason testing before Bahrain. Like they, every team gets some time to do like TV promo stuff, but really that's just like the drivers get a feel for the new car. And Alpha Tauri chose Imola. So Yuki Sonoda, the rookie, who probably has never driven at that track, now has some experience. Pierre Gasly, who was very strong to start that race, um, he qualified fourth and had some problems early in the race that took him out last year. Um, honestly, I think he's looking for some redemption after last or the season opener this year when he had his wing issue and could never recover. So we'll kind of see what happens from there. I'd also say you never know with McLaren. I mean, they've looked very strong this year. They probably are in contention for best of the rest as well. As for the backfield, I think honestly Alfa Romeo looks strong. Could be a rough one for Haas. Who knows? I believe Haas has actually brought their last round of upgrades for this race. So we'll see how it all plays out there. Um, this might be their one big shot of getting points. So could be quite interesting. And also, I mean, wouldn't it be kind of cool if Mick Schumacher got a point at the track where, I mean, his dad had a lot of big wins at Imola. And obviously a lot of big wins at the track in, in the country of what was Ferrari. Hopefully we could see some points. Who knows? But anyways, that's pretty much it for today's podcast. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on kind of the results of all the races this weekend. NASCAR uh, at a short track in Richmond, both the Cup Series and the Truck Series, which includes Canadian Rafael Lassard. We'll have the results in that race. Also, as we mentioned, IndyCar season opener. That one's at Barber Motorsports Park. That one's taking place on Sunday as well. That one should be interesting as well. Keep an eye on Canadian James Hinchcliffe and... Dalton Kellett, and obviously, who knows what will happen in the race. There's also a couple other uh, lower series to keep an eye on. There's the IndyCar 2000, or Indy Pro 2000, rather. There's Indy Lights. There's the Pro Mazda. Kind of see how those all play out. A couple of Canadian teams in there, including one from Saskatoon. Yeah, that's right. There's a racing team from Western Canada, from Saskatoon. So we'll kind of keep you posted on all the results for all the Canadians in the lower series and the Canadian teams. And then, yeah, Formula 1. Obviously, as we were just saying, Imola could be one heck of a race. Uh, we'll have that full race recap, kind of talk about some of the highlights, notes, standings, all the details you need to know uh, for what happens for the two Canadians, Latifi and Stroll. If you do have any questions for our racing pod, anything you need us to clarify when it comes to the series, any Canadians you want us to keep an eye on throughout racing series around the world, we're kind of focusing on touring car series. Um, let us know and we'll definitely add it into CanCon. There are a couple ways. We're on Facebook, the A Racing Podcast, on Twitter at the A Racing Pod. And you can also send us an email to the A Racing Podcast at gmail.com. And to clarify, that is E H, not A E H. That's it for me. Hope you guys enjoy this race weekend. A whole bunch of stuff to watch. I'm probably not going to get a whole lot done at home. No apologies for that. But yeah, we'll have a recap of everything next week. Have a great race weekend.